welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Same thing is said by the Lord Jesus Christ in John 14, 1 through 3. Don't let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. It's a good hope we have because of Psalm 23, 6 and John 14, 1 through 3, because we're told that our hope is to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven forever in his house. Number 14. Now, it's a good hope that we're going to find as we study in the book of Ruth. And we're just going to discover these good hopes and the comfort as treasures when we come to the to, to this book. And like we coming to any other book, if we keep the goal in mind, we keep the purpose in mind, which is as we come to the book of Ruth, if we just keep saying, as I come to the book of Ruth, I want to find more, more about Jesus, more about Jesus, what I know, more of his grace to others show, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me, more about Jesus, let me learn more of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. More about Jesus in his word, holding communion with my Lord, hearing his voice in every line, making each faithful saying mine. We won't be disappointed. We won't be disappointed when we come to the book of Ruth with a heart that just keeps saying more, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness, see, more of his love who died for me. And God's gonna show us these wondrous things about the Lord Jesus Christ out of this little book of 85 verses that he's preserved perfectly through thousands of years. And we're gonna learn together. And I'm gonna be learning too. And I'm looking forward to learning from God and then passing it on to you in the process, being thrilled the second time as I try to deliver what God teaches me. And this book is like the book of Esther. You know, it's like the book of Esther in several ways. Like the book of Esther, this is a book that might have been named after a man instead of named after a woman. I mean, Esther might have been named after Mordecai, or but it was named Esther. And Ruth might have been named after Boaz, or it might have been named after Naomi, but it's named after Ruth. And like the book of Esther, this book is named after a woman with a non-Hebrew name. We got over that. Esther is a Persian name. Ruth is a Moabite name. Moses is an Egyptian name. So we have these names. And like the book of Esther, this book is about love. Not a romantic love but pure love, a love for God, a love for God that translated itself into a love for another. Esther loved God, and that translated into her love for Mordecai. Ruth loved God, and that translated into her love for Naomi. 
And like the book of Esther, this is a woman who is able to fulfill God's purpose through marriage. Esther, through her marriage to King Ahasuerus, was able to save the Jewish people. Ruth, through her marriage to Boaz, was able to give birth to King David's grandfather. Ruth was King David's great-grandmother. And in the book of Esther, there was a warning. And that warning, which we covered many times, is that Esther, if you don't see, and if you don't seize this singular opportunity in your life to save the Jewish people, you'll lose. But God won't lose. And he'll bring deliverance to, a, to the Jewish people from another. And in the book of Ruth, there is that person who we don't even know his name. He's anonymous. He's an anonymous relative. And, we, and he didn't see, and he didn't seize the opportunity, that singular opportunity in his life to be King David's grandfather, great-grandfather. So he lost. But just as Mordecai said, God did bring another, and his name was Boaz, who took his place. And like the book of Esther, this book was likely not named by that woman. Mordecai probably wrote Esther, and Samuel probably wrote Ruth. But like the book of Esther, this book opens with a Jewish family in a very sad state of affairs in a foreign land. That's what we found in Esther. And like the book of Esther, God honors the woman for the risks that she took great risks. And like the book of Esther, there is a God-fearing mentor who guides our heroine in the background. For Esther, it was her cousin, Mordecai. For Ruth, it was her mother-in-law, Naomi. Like the book of Esther, for their mentor, the heroine becomes like their daughter. Esther was like a daughter to Mordecai, and Ruth was like a daughter to Naomi. And like the book of Esther, this book provides a vital link for us in the history of how God preserved the Jewish people. In Esther, it was a vital link of how the Jewish people survived by God when they were in the threat of annihilation in Persia. And in Ruth, this is a vital link of who David's great, great, to David's great, great grandmother was and great uh, grandfather and so forth. We don't know that except here in the book of Ruth. And like the book of Esther, those who were in desperate need, they were surprised to find their help from a very unlikely person. You know, in the book of Esther, the Jewish people were desperate and they were surprised to have found their help coming from an unlikely person, a queen who they thought was a Persian. And in Ruth, a desperate Naomi will be surprised to find her greatest comfort in life comes from the help from a recently widowed Moabite daughter-in-law. And like in the book of Esther, God was behind the scenes And we saw that in the book of Esther. That was the amazing thing. The word God doesn't appear in the whole book, but oh, is God present in that book. 
And he's entering into the pain of the sufferers. And he's causing the events that take place to miraculously turn for their deliverance. And in Esther, we felt the pain, God felt the pain of the Jewish people. And he miraculously elevated Esther to be at the right place in the right time as queen. And in Ruth, God felt the pain of Naomi. And he miraculously had Ruth there for her. And he miraculously will have Ruth at the right place at the right time to become the wife of Boaz. And like the book of Esther, the book opens like a curtain that's drawn back. And what we see here is a stage. It's a stage of life. And just like in Esther, the stage opened and various characters came and appeared on the stage. Eight of them in all appeared in the case of Ruth on the stage. Eight characters are going to appear as they come onto the stage of life. And like the book of Esther, some of those characters who did not do the will of God will not abide, and they'll just disappear into the fog of being forgotten. And Esther, we saw some of those characters. We saw those who did not do the will of God, and they didn't abide, but they disappeared into the fog of being forgotten, like Haman and Haman's wife and his sons and his friends. They all just faded away into the fog of being forgotten. But in Ruth, we're also going to see characters like that, like Elimelech, like Melon, like Kilion and Orpah, and that anonymous relative there who refused to take Ruth as his wife, all fade into the fog of being forgotten. But like the book of Esther, we'll see some characters who did the will of God and did abide and rose to not be forgotten. In Esther, those characters who were not forgotten were King Ahasuerus, Mordecai, and Esther. And in Ruth, those characters who will not be forgotten will be Naomi and Boaz and Ruth. And in order for us to see one of the most important points for this book, we need to always keep in mind a simple little phrase in verse 4, which we read in Ruth 1.4, which says, and they took them wives of the women of Moab. The truth is that Ruth was a woman of Moab. Moab was a country under God's judgment. Lot's daughters did one of the most sinful acts recorded in the Bible. They got their father drunk, and what happened is recorded for us in Genesis 19. They were both, thus were both 1936, 37. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. The firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. And the same as the father of the Moabites unto this day, the origin of the people of Moab. It's a shameful origin. In Numbers 22, 23, we remember Moab because that's the people that had the king, uh, uh, you remember, and, and who hired Balaam to curse Israel. If you Numbers 22, it says, Balak, the king of Moab, he hired Balaam to curse the Jewish people. And when that strategy for trying to destroy the Jewish people by getting God to curse them, when it didn't work, Moab then turned to another strategy, which did work, unfortunately, which is in the next chapter, Numbers 25.1, and Israel abode Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And when Israel sinned, God used Moab to punish them. In Judges 3.12, the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the king strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And then Israel repents, 
and God raises up another man named Ehud who kills the king of Moab by, by stabbing him in his private house. And God then, through Moses, tells the Jewish people that Moab was to never come into the congregation of the Lord. In Deuteronomy 23.3, an Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their 10th generation shall they not enter into the congregation forever. But Ruth was a Moabitess. And we're going to see her become deeply implanted in Israel. And she'll become so deeply implanted in Israel that something very significant is going to be said about Ruth. And please turn, we're jumping ahead, but it's okay. Ruth 4, Ruth 4, 15, 14 through 15, very, very significant thing that's going to be said about Ruth. And it's important for us in our introduction here to see this, where the women, it says, the women, the Jewish women, they said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine own age. For thy daughter-in-law, the Gentile, the Moabitess, thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. That's a very significant scene. That, that, I mean, I'm, you know, I can just see them. This is Jewish women. They're all gathering around. They're talking. That's what Jewish women do. And they're all around Naomi, and, and she's Jewish. And they're and talking about Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law. And they're talking about this woman of Moab. And notice what they're saying about this Gentile woman of Moab. They say, first of all, this Gentile has brought to Naomi a kinsman. And that kinsman is going to restore life to Naomi and nourish Naomi in her old age. And notice in particular what it says about Ruth, the Gentile in the middle of verse 15. It says, thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee. So those Jewish women, they looked at Ruth and they said, boy, there's an outstanding characteristic about this woman. I don't care if she's a Moabite or a Gentile or what. She loves you, Naomi. And when Naomi, we're going to see, when Naomi came back, nobody loved Naomi like Ruth loved Naomi. And Naomi, and Ruth was not a blood relative, not a blood related, related to Naomi. She was not Jewish. And she didn't have to love Naomi because she was not related to her. You know, we have to love some people, but what can we do? But those Jewish women all recognize that Ruth had pure love, pure, sincere love for Naomi. And they made a remarkable statement about her when they said, thy daughter, thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, she's better than seven sons. What they said was that Ruth was better than seven sons, the number for perfection. So what they're saying to, of that Ruth is better than the perfect, natural-born Jewish daughter. Ruth, the Gentile, was better than, not just the daughter, seven sons. She said, sons, better than the son. Seven sons, seven sons. Better than seven natural-born Jewish sons. How could Ruth, how could that be? How could Ruth the Gentile, how could Ruth the Moabitess be better than seven natural-born Jewish men? She was a foreigner. She was from a people that were banned from God's congregation. She was not born Jewish. Why was Ruth better than seven natural-born Jewish men? Because Ruth loved God better than seven natural-born Jewish men. She loved God with all of her heart because of a very important statement made by Ruth, made, made by Boaz about Ruth. And he like turned to that as a very, another key verse in the book, Ruth 2.12. Boaz's statement about Ruth in Ruth 2.12. He said, 
The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Ruth had come to trust under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. So that Boaz, when he looked at Ruth, he didn't see a Gentile. He didn't see a Moabitess. Boaz saw Ruth, a person who had fled from her past to be under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. And when Boaz looked at Ruth, Boaz didn't see a Gentile. Boaz saw Ruth. And he, and, and he saw Ruth who had rushed and ran to be under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. When Boaz saw Ruth, he saw a person trusting under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. He looked at Ruth. He didn't see a Gentile. He saw her living under the shadow of God's wings. As David said in Psalm 91.1, he that dwelleth or liveth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Boaz looked at Ruth. He didn't see a Gentile. He saw in Ruth being, someone being carried by the wings of God. As God said, when the Jewish people were going to him in Exodus 19.14, he said, you've seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself? Boaz looked at Ruth. He didn't see a Gentile. Boaz saw clearly the tabernacle. And when he sees the tabernacle, he sees Ruth in that one place of the tabernacle described in Exodus 25, 20 through 22, where it says, and the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony I shall give thee, and there I will meet with thee. And I'll commune with thee from above the mercy seat between the two cherubim which are upon the ark of the testimony of all the things which I give thee. And Boaz saw Ruth in that place. He looked at Ruth and he didn't see a Gentile, but he saw a person, Ruth, hiding herself under the shadow of God's wings. As David said in in, in Psalm 17, keep me as the apple of thine eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. He looks at Ruth And he doesn't see a Gentile. He sees Ruth under the shadow of God's wings, breathing out a sigh of relief and saying, now I'm safe under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. And so she says in Psalm 36, 7, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. He looks at her and he doesn't see a Gentile. He sees Ruth looking up from under God's wings and say, I see a roof. I see a roof of protection over me. I'm trusting in this roof. Just like David said, she says, he says, I will trust in the covert of thy wings. He didn't see a Gentile. Boaz didn't see a Gentile. He saw her rejoicing under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. And the point of all this is that when Boaz looked at Ruth, he did not see a Gentile. When Boaz looked at Ruth, he saw a person who was abiding, hiding, trusting, rejoicing, resting under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. And he looked at her and he saw Ruth doing all that. And when I look at you now, my Gentile brothers and sisters in Christ, like Boaz, I don't see Gentiles. I see you 
abiding, hiding, trusting, rejoicing, resting, more under the wings of the Lord God of Israel than seven natural-born Jewish men. I don't see Gentiles. I see Christians who have come to trust under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. And you're just like Ruth. You're in Christ. You're who Paul describes in Galatians 3, 27 through 29. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. He could have said Moabite, but he didn't. There's neither Moabite. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither Moabite nor Ethiopian. There's neither male nor female. And if Christ, then Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's why when Boaz saw Ruth, he didn't see a Moabitess. He saw in the he saw a Ruth, the person, hiding under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. And Boaz could say, she's a spiritual daughter of Abraham. She's like one of those stars God said about Abraham. Look down, see the sand? Your seed's gonna be like the sand. If you can number them, you can number your seed. The seed's gonna be like the sand, his earthly seed, his physical seed, the Jewish people group. Then God said, look up, see the stars? He says, your seed's gonna be like the stars, the spiritual seed. You number the stars, you number the spiritual seed. When Boaz saw her, Ruth, he saw her like one of the stars of the sky that God promised Abraham's spiritual seed would be like. And he couldn't look at some of his own natural Jewish kin and see them trusting under the wings of the Lord God of Israel like Ruth was. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ, who was speaking to them, his enemies who were Jewish people, and in John eight thirty seven, he said, I know that you are Abraham's seed, like the dust of the earth, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. But Boaz, looking at Ruth, and he could look at some of his unbelieving Jewish people, and he could say with Paul, they're not all Israel that are of Israel. He could say that. Boaz could say that. And looking at Ruth, he could say, I understand. I get it. I say unto you, the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 8, 11, and 12, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, including Moab, Many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the the book of Ruth shows us how the Gentiles became spiritual children of Abraham or spiritual Jews. So the book of Ruth is going to reveal to us a great mystery that the Bible has And when it comes to race, God is colorblind. That's what it's going to reveal. With God, skin's not the issue. Skin skin is not the issue. Sin is the issue. And the book of Ruth is beginning to reveal to us what Peter perceived when he said, when Peter said, all of a sudden, Acts 10, Peter says, I got it. And Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive, God is not a respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted of him, including Ruth. And the book of Ruth reveals what God, what is called God's great grant in Acts eleven eighteen. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And the book of Ruth is going to show us also 
that God granted to the Gentiles repentance unto life. So the book of Ruth is standing like at the gates of the gospel as an indication there is a great reconciliation between God and any Gentile who comes to trust under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. And the book of Ruth shows us that all that's needed for reconciliation between God and any Gentile is a love and trust in the God of Israel. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for giving us the book of Ruth and for her braveness, Lord. And Lord, we pray that as we start this study in the book of Ruth, that you would teach us wondrous things in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.